Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 202 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is the QA Program Manager at Camelot, which is the home of the UK's National Lottery. He has previously worked as a developer, build engineer, scrum master, QA engineer, and QA manager. He regularly gives talks on testing and IT in schools and universities, and he's also the host of the Aylesbury Testing Gathering. So welcome to the podcast, Simon Pryor. Hello, thank you for having me. Simon, obviously that's a brief intro, and obviously you've covered a lot of different roles within your career so far. So could you perhaps give us a bit of a potted history to your career? Yeah, sure. So um, I've been in the IT industry since I graduated in 2007. Um, I did a cybercrime research position at the university for six months, and then I joined as a graduate. I joined McAfee, um, and I was at McAfee for 12 years, initially as a developer, and in that time, I got to be, um, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, build engineer, scrum master, and eventually got into testing QA and made my way up the ranks in QA. And then eight months ago, I left McAfee and joined Camelot. Right. In terms of joining Camelot, what was the reason behind the move? Really, it was a chance to try something new with greater sort of levels of, con- of leadership and responsibility and move forward in my career really was the next step yeah and in particular obviously you've moved into the sort of QA and testing area was there a reason behind that you've obviously tried a number of different areas was there a particular attraction to QA and testing the biggest thing really was as a junior developer the teams I was working with when I was a developer were all very seasoned very experienced developers so naturally to make sure the best job was done of the work they were the ones that got the big projects And as a junior, I didn't get a lot of chance to look at it. So I started taking on testing tasks in our scrums and and it just developed a passion for for that side of the thing. So, Simon, can you perhaps share with us a career tip that the audience may not know and perhaps should? So this, again, links to the last year or so. It's something that's really changed my view of, of my career. And that's really just defining your own personal values for what you want to get out of your role and what you want to get out of your career. So I started to get a feeling that something wasn't right, and I couldn't put my finger on it. So I spent a lot of time self-analyzing, what is it I actually want? What are my beliefs as far as testing and QA and being in the IT industry? And I put my values together. I documented it. I blogged it on my blog. I can share the link with you afterwards. Okay. And that helped me identify what it was that was conflicting with my beliefs. And that enabled me to then look for something that enabled me to move forward. So I would say it's define your personal values and stick to them. Yeah. Are you able to share a couple of those values that you came up with? Yeah. So from a testing side, one of the things that's always struck me is testing is not just an activity that's done at the end of a project. Testing is a mindset and testing needs to be something that's consumed from the start of a project. From the moment a project is conceptualized, an idea someone with a testing mind should be involved in discussions and decisions at that point to enable a project to be successful. And then on the leadership side as well, I've always been a strong believer that 
a value of mine is nurturing your team and empowering them to move forward and not be that bottleneck for your team. Yeah. So it's a bit of a combination of sort of personal beliefs and also the sort of the um, working culture that you like to be a part of as well. Yes, absolutely. So Simon, can you share with us your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? So I spent quite a bit of time thinking about this and I narrowed it down to two, but I'll briefly mention the first one. We've already briefly talked about it, but it was that time when I was a developer feeling like I wasn't appreciated for what I was doing. And yeah, that was one of my down times where I felt I needed to do something different. And that's where I made the decision to jump into QA. The one I would say is my worst moment. It probably comes out to be something related to my best as well. But once I became a QA manager, I went from being a QA lead who was technically hands-on with one team to being a QA manager of two teams in different countries on different projects. So I went from knowing everything I was dealing with to having a lot of unknowns. The second team on the different projects, I had to hire the whole team from scratch in Ireland. So I was based in the UK. I had to travel to Ireland to hire this team. Being on different projects, there was no overlap. So I had to literally work double-ended days. My days were full of meetings. I ended up working all hours of the night and and being a global company, there was email discussions going on overnight as well to the point that my mobile became, well, work emails became my social media. (laughs) I was spending the night waking up reading my work emails and it got to the point where the stress got so much that I ended up collapsing in front of the kids at the breakfast table one morning. And that made me realize that I needed to change my work pattern. I needed to look at something that I could focus more on what was important. Um, get the balance of my teams right. I was able to hire a lead in the off-site team so that they could do most of the day-to-day coordination. And I made changes to make sure that my work-life pattern was was more manageable. And that led me to eventually decide that to not be tempted to continue the life balance I'd got into was to then move on to a, a, another role where I had more opportunity to, to get the work-life balance right. Yeah. I mean, one thing we don't talk about very much actually on this podcast is things like burnout. And obviously, yeah, as you said, effectively you're stretching the day at both ends and it becomes unmanageable in the end. So yeah, that's interesting to hear. So in terms of what you do now, presumably you compartmentalize the parts of your life and work is one thing and home is another. Yes, absolutely. And the company are very family focused being a uk company as well there isn't that need to be working um, with global partners so the day is very much the standard hours Um, and then there might be a little bit of email traffic or catching up on a bit of work in the evenings but it's nowhere near the level of, of what it was before so moving away from your worst moment can you perhaps share with us your it career highlight or greatest success again I've, I've narrowed it down to two, but um, I'll briefly mention the first one was I managed to do my first conference talk this year, my first solo conference talk this year, and I'm scheduled to do two more later this year. So building up to that, the story was all about what I just mentioned as my worst IT moment and how I learned from that. Yeah. But I feel like I'm living my career highlight at the moment. I feel like I've made the jump into a role where I have a lot of opportunity to help change the direction, build a very passionate and engaging QA team develop the culture of QA across the the business as well. And I feel like I'm making a difference. And that's really, I would say that's my career highlight today is what I'm doing at present. Right. In terms of joining Camelot, obviously everybody well, in the UK will be aware of who they are and what they do. But in terms of your involvement, are you involved in the multiple different areas within the sort of national lottery setup? 
Yeah, so um, my initial remit when I first joined was just a non-gaming focus, which is anything apart from the actual National Lottery games part. But in the last few months, I've uh, taken over QA program manager for the whole projects department. So that's everything from the National Lottery website, the the mobile app, the, the work that goes on behind the scenes when we make changes to the National Lottery draw games ourselves, and also all the non-gaming platforms and systems internally. So there's a lot of remit. Yeah, uh, It's a lot of different components, different moving parts, but that's part of the challenge is trying to apply a standard QA process across everything rather than having their own compartmentalized um, QA processes. One thing I wanted to ask you actually about was the, the, the remit of your role, and you mentioned it partly earlier. So often when we talk about QA and testing, the two tend to be synonymous, but they are different things. So in, in terms of what your role is, is it purely testing or does it really involve what you would typically expect QA to be, ensuring that, for example, that you're building the right product, not just that you've built the product right, if you see what I mean? It covers everything. It's definitely a quality assurance role rather than just a testing part. Um, and that's also part of the the challenge of spreading the awareness of QA is that it's not just about executing tests and proving that what's written is correct. It's making sure that we've devised the right system in the first place yeah. and that we've identified areas that we can make the system more testable so that it makes our job easier later on to do the testing if we've identified the ways of making quality built in at the start. Okay. I mean, obviously, a lot of people listening will think about things like test-driven development. Is that something that Camelot do? It's one of the many methodologies that are yep. being used. Again, this is part of the process. We're trying to define the best ways of working moving forward. Yes. It's always an evolving process anyway. Yes, absolutely. So, Simon, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? I think for me, it's the variety and the opportunities that are coming with the, the way technology is developing Obviously, with machine learning, AI, and all the other new stuff that's coming up, there's lots of opportunity to find careers in IT. But I think the biggest thing for me is being able to go back into schools and show them what's coming and get them enthused for the future. And being able to do that with the the more flashy, wowie technologies that are coming will make it a lot easier for people to be interested in getting into those careers. Yeah, so I presume when you go into schools and, and talk to you know, the, the children, are, I presume they tend to be later teenage years, is that right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, with McAfee, I was also involved in their internet safety scheme where we went out to schools and did talks to primary schools as well. But with um, careers talks, yeah, it's mainly aimed at the secondary schools. Yeah. You're obviously 16-year-olds and plus. But um, the biggest thing for me was, and it was an eye-opener for me when I first started doing it, is the lack of under- lack of knowledge of testing in both schools and universities so computer science graduates are coming out with no knowledge of testing they may have done a little bit of unit testing as part of a development module but there's very little knowledge of the overall process around QA or testing and that's one of the biggest problems I've found when trying to hire graduates is actually getting them an awareness of of what testing is and how how they could be involved in it. Sure. Yeah, that's interesting to hear. Um, I've heard that before as well and I thought that may have changed but that's been the case for quite a long time now. So I did some research a couple of years ago. I researched the top 25 universities for computer science. I spoke to various heads of departments. And out of the whole top 25, only Swansea had a dedicated software testing module. A few others had a line item in a software engineering module where they touched on testing, but very few had any real understanding. And when asked the question, 
they just felt it wasn't demand. There was no demand for testing to be part of the syllabus. Right. So it's an area that I feel we as an industry need to do more to raise the awareness. Yes, indeed. And I want to ask you, obviously, when you talk to um, older teenagers and, and people at university, they presumably are more interested in the the wow factor, if you like, of technology rather than some of the things that you may be talking about. Yes, um, there is that. And there's also there's a big push, a big in enthusiasm in cybersecurity. So you get a lot of wannabe hackers that want to find ways to have careers doing that kind of thing. It's almost a way of trying to tell them there are other career paths available. It's trying to not be too specific. Because I, I could obviously go in and I, I talk about testing. It's a passion of mine that I, I love talking about and love sharing the knowledge. But I'm also conscious that not everyone in the room is going to want to be a tester, even if they want to go into IT. So it's trying to find ways to broaden that discussion out to show them the different options are available. Okay. So we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Yeah, absolutely. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? So at school, I found I was very good at maths. I decided to take computing A-level. And although I wasn't the the best at coding, it was Visual Basic at the time, I really enjoyed that. And it just gave me a taste of what the opportunities were available. So I ended up deciding at that point that I'd wanted to try a computer science course. And from there, it was just the natural path. Although when I finished university, I did come out feeling like my only option was to go into software development. So I made that step and then was able to to move around once I got into the industry. And what's the best career advice you've ever received? The one piece of advice that I've stuck to, and it's worked quite well, is if you're wanting to move forward then try and find someone, so train up your replacement effectively. And that works quite well in previous roles where I've, you know, I've, I've wanted to move into a lead position, so I've trained someone up on what I was doing before so that they can do the job effectively and I can move on to the next step. And that's, that's worked pretty well for me. Yeah, now that's a good, very good, useful tip. And obviously the opposite to best career advice, what is the worst career advice you've ever received? So I've been toying with this one in my head, trying to work out which one was the worst one. <laughs> but I think the one for me was the advice I got when I first joined my previous company was, oh, you you have to stay here for life. You're in a big company now. Where else would you want to go? You've got to stay put. And just sometimes that mindset, I've seen it impact other people feeling like they have no choice but to stay where they are. And actually, a big thing for me is you have a choice. If things don't feel right, then then feel free to make a change. If you were to begin your IT career again in today's world, what would you do? I would want to go straight into QA and testing. Now that I've learned what I've learned about it, if I could go back and do it again, I'd find some way of getting in the door straight away and not not moving around the way I did. Although I have to say doing the other career roles has helped me in understanding the other parts of the business, but definitely I'd want to get into testing sooner. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Having moved roles, I am in quite a senior management position now, so I'm learning more about how to be an effective leader, learning more of the uh, how to be an, an effective senior leader as well, and making decisions for a whole department rather than just for a small team. I'm also, I've got a couple of conference talks coming up later this year uh, where I talk about growing tech teams of the future, which is um, something I'm passionate about, obviously, with my school's connection, yep. but also looking at things such as neurodiversity as well, which is um, diversity of the mind, looking at autism and ADHD and how people with those conditions can actually be effective people in the IT industry. Yeah. So I'm looking at 
broadening my knowledge and building my conference um, my conference talks out. But ultimately, it's now that I'm in a senior position, building the team that I've currently got and building my knowledge of senior leadership and, and becoming an effective leader. Are you able to mention where you're going to be talking? Yes. Um, so I'm talking at an event called CultureCon in September, uh, which is in London. It's a f- focused on the people and culture of the tech industry. Yep. So I'm talking about that talk there. I'm also talking at a business leadership event in November called Leadership Excellence. And I'm also doing the same talk there as well yep. uh, about growing tech teams of the future. So yeah, that's they're the two talks later this year. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? So I've heard a few times on your podcast that communication has been mentioned, but I'd like to delve deeper into that. It's not I mean, communication is is hugely important, but I think it's being able to effectively communicate and articulate in the right direction. So being able to communicate upwards in the right format, being able to communicate to a team, knowing what what information should go in which direction. I think that's a very important skill. And what do you do to keep your own career energised? So I read a lot of blogs. I try to ensure I read a blog every day, at least one blog post every day. I'm quite active on Twitter. So I do have a lot of conversations on there about leadership and QA. There is a small Slack group that I'm part of called Testing Peers. There's only four of us, and it's a it's a group where we've all been brought together by one person called Chris Armstrong, and he's just trying to hold. We're all trying to hold each other accountable when we not maybe don't have peers within our industry or in our business yep. that we can talk to and share ideas. So it's a joint group where we can discuss things. And I probably talk to them every day. I probably talk to them more than I talk to some of my friends. <laughs> and it's become really good for um, sharing ideas within work without going into confidentiality, but yes. sharing ideas, troubles we're having, and helping each other through. And um, it's really brought out um, a new enthusiasm for for the industry. Yeah, it sounds like it's on the principle of having a mastermind, effectively. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? So I've got two kids under five, so they keep me very active. I'm sure, yes. I used to be quite a keen runner. I'm trying to get back into running again. And I'm a Peterborough United football fan as well, so um, that keeps me busy when the season's on. Simon, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? Don't feel like you have to stick through something if it feels uncomfortable. There's always an opportunity for you to make a change. You have to do what's right for your career. And if you feel like you're not getting the chance to progress and find opportunities in your current position, then look to see what else is available for you. Um, That was the best thing I could have done. I was getting to the point where I didn't feel like I could progress anymore. I'd done all I could and I needed something new, needed something to refresh my mind and refresh my enthusiasm for the industry. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? So as I mentioned briefly earlier, I'm on Twitter, SI Pryor. I'm on LinkedIn, search for Simon Pryor. I'm sure you'll find me. Uh, I do have a blog, uh, which I blog occasionally. It's mostly around test leadership stuff now. Uh, that's um, priorsworld.wordpress.com. And as I mentioned before, we we have this closed Slack group called Testing Peers. We are also either writing a blog or um, starting a podcast between the four of us. So that's testingpeers.wordpress.com. And like I say, it'll either be one or the other. It'll either be a blog or it'll be a podcast from there. Simon, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. No problem. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, Phil. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed listening in to today's episode and to my guest career tips, advice and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e and then the number of today's episode. And a quick reminder that the show has now three episodes every week on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. So make sure that you are subscribed to the show to get new episodes automatically downloaded. Also, don't forget to join the IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. You'll get to engage with other like-minded people, get to find out more about upcoming guests and other episodes, and can get involved in the future direction of the podcast. It really is a great pleasure to be able to talk to so many inspirational people from across the industry and to be able to share their stories and advice with you. Thanks for listening, and remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.